0: Hello and welcome to Compass Live, the only and therefore the best podcast dedicated to proof of work mining. Really excited for today's show. We're veering off the ramp a little bit into uncharted territory for this podcast. Joined today by Christy, a chaos creator and also one of the uh, best and brightest minds in space when it comes to Bitcoin mining, Ethereum mining, uh, how algorithms work and how hardware interacts with those algorithms. Uh, Christy, thank you so much for joining us on today's show.
1: Thank you for having me, Will.
0: I want to ask everyone to like and subscribe to the channel. It really helps other miners find out this information. Uh, like I said, today's conversation is going to be a little bit different. A lot more bleeding edge tech talk here, uh, kind of veering off into what the next five to 10 years of cryptocurrency mining looks like, or at the very least, what hardware looks like. Uh, so again, just to kind of start off the conversation here, Christy, uh, we name this like next gen mining, next generation mining. Maybe a little bit of a creative license here, uh, but it definitely is more so in the hardware acceleration, we're talking about how zero knowledge proofs, uh, fancy math interacts with hardware, uh, FPGAs, GPUs, and maybe an ASIC at some point in the future. This is pretty bleeding edge tech talk. Uh, It's a lot of stuff that some uh, cryptographers in the space are working on actively, but nothing's really out there that you can buy on a shelf at the moment. So just kind of start and open up the conversation. Can you walk us through what a zero knowledge proof is and why they matter for crypto?
1: I'm probably not qualified to walk through what a, what a zero knowledge proof is, but uh, at least in its application on crypto right now, we're seeing zero knowledge proofs mostly used around two fields, either privacy or more commonly around roll-ups. So zero-knowledge proofs can do something really cool where they can help compress transactions by stripping unnecessary data, unnecessary signatures, and just leaving behind a, a proof. Now we have a few different kinds of zero-knowledge proofs. We have Zcash's implementation. Um, we have what's known as optimistic roll-ups, and they use a type of zero-knowledge proof called SNARKs. Um, sometimes we get hybrids. Uh, we have Starks as well and Starkware and all the cool things that the Starkware company is doing. Um, so there's all these different types, but it's essentially boils down to I want to provide you a proof that proves something without me disclosing all of the data. And then it just so happens to have all of these massive scalability benefits for blockchains. And we're seeing them, you know, 2021 was a big play for rollups and layer two scaling for Ethereum in general. That's where we're seeing most of them. So optimism, um, Starkware, as mentioned, ZK Sync, Aztec and so on.
0: Yeah, let's walk through the, those applications because I think it's the most tangible, uh, I guess, example of where ZK proofs kind of make sense. You alluded to Zcash, which obviously is a more of a legacy coin at this point even though it's only five years old kind of crazy to think about that uh but it's it's been around the block for a little bit most people know about it but the these roll-ups are are definitely new and uh they're being used more and more people are being onboarded onto them so uh could you kind of give our audience uh the one-on-one explanation about what roll-ups are and how zero knowledge proofs kind of uh work within them
1: well uh I mean, Polygon is a great example. So, I think everyone that's kind of in crypto right now is familiar with Polygon. And so, when we talk about a roll up on Polygon, it's essentially a layer two chain. So, that means that it's kind of a, a, a shard of Ethereum before we've actually moved over to Eth 2.0. And a roll up is essentially where you're taking your transactions, sending it over to this layer two chain, and uh, rolling it up. And then uh, Generating a proof and then sending that proof back to the main chain. Each each uh, provider, so you know, Optimism, etc., has their own implementation of this. Um, but that's that's the short of it. Now, when we moved f 2.0, rollups are going to have a really cool advantage where we no longer need to store the entire state of everything that happened. We only need to store the proofs. And then only if there is a uh, issue of contention, if we have some disagreement between uh, nodes, then we can do a quick uh, form of computation. And it is getting quick now. Um, Two years ago, it would have taken us, you know, quite a while. And we can do a quick form of computation to uh, essentially verify or walk back through how that proof was generated and prove that, yep, this is what all the nodes agreed to at the time. This has not been tampered with. Or if it has been tampered with, we'd know that.
0: Um, Yeah. uh Uh, just to interject there really quickly, if I can. That computation, I think, is kind of what we're getting to with the, the point of today's conversation, where it's, there's some similarities between Bitcoin mining and how you have to find this proof, you have to find this nounce, and the computation that we're seeing with zero-knowledge proofs, where you have to provide a proof by doing some sort of computation. Uh, obviously, they're not the same, and there's huge differences. Uh, but th- the same kind of application of using uh, computation as a means to prove something, is kind of what we're getting at the the heart of. Um, One quick point of clarification or uh, just a question. The the way I've always understood rollups is it's a blockchain on top of a blockchain. So you can basically kind of stack ETH on top of ETH. Uh, That's what we see with Optimism more recently where they've Mm -hmm. kind of taken this route where they put another implementation of Ethereum on top of Ethereum. And then people are able to interact within that blockchain When they want to settle to the main chain and have that main chain security, they can settle Mm -hmm. down. Uh, But for the most part, you kind of stay in the the upper chain, if you will, and interact there. And then the zero knowledge proof or in some other instances, the optimistic uh, fraud proof, I believe it is, kind of protects from any uh, transaction problems there. Is that kind of a correct understanding?
1: Kind of. Uh, much like the mining space, we've kind of just associated roll-ups with the layer two chains instead of decoupling them. And the rollup is really that compression part that I talked about, which is stripping out kind of your unneeded signatures and all of that wasted data and then compressing. Um, but now common vernacular is people are just calling layer two chains roll-ups because it's just, it's become that. So we've got another uh, ASIC situation on our hands uh, how the mining has commandeered the ASIC uh, name, <laughs> name, but otherwise yeah. a very good summary.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah, kind of funny how those those names become pretty sticky over time. So we've kind of covered the basics so far. What zero knowledge proofs? Their application for crypto is m- mostly on these altcoin chains, and uh, the basis for the similarity between Bitcoin mining and uh, the zero knowledge proofs is just the computational work you have to do. Uh, I've had some conversations that have been very brief about how hardware acceleration makes this whole space a little bit more interesting. Uh, And that's something I want to delve into here, talking about why hardware matters within zero-knowledge proofs and what this landscape could look like in the future. Uh, I'm assuming the only reason this would matter is if a lot of people are using these rollups, a lot of value and volume is on top of these rollups and people are trying to settle quickly or, or whatnot.
1: I mean, you would think in theory, but there's this other benefit of mining as a whole, which is kind of the bootstrap and issuance mechanism. So, one of the problems we have today is pretty much every roll up uh, implementation, no matter whether it's Starks or Snarks, um, is centralized. So, you know, when you use Polygon, you're sending things to Polygon's validator set, which is kind of running in AWS. And there is still implicit trust in Polygon. Um, now the math says that's okay and that there that's a you know an error of margin that's fine and we would know if polygon did anything but still that's not the you know ideal case so how do you decentralize kind of the creation of these proofs and then the validation and the verification and that answer is really in mining and so you'll see a lot of the teams are starting to look at mining now. The trouble is not every team and not every implementation wants to issue its own token. So how do you reward miners? We could look into kind of merge mining, but that also has sort of some other security risks. Um, One of the areas of research right now is actually rewarding people with native token. So if you as a miner grab, you know, a... uh, Hypothetically, grab a work packet from Polygon to do uh, to create a proof for the Ethereum chain. You could then get paid in a small amount of ETH. But then we have to ask, okay, where does that ether come from? Uh, it, does the Ethereum protocol then adapt and you know make a change and set aside a percent of its block issuance? Does this come out of transaction fees? So there's all these kinds of questions about how do we make this technology sit on top of every chain instead of being uh, kind of a native part of that base layer? And how do we ensure everything is decentralized? And the answer always comes back to, well, you have to have some form of mining. Um, And even now that's beneficial without any of the scale. Now, in in theory, you know, when we're at such a major scale where everything in the world is using zero knowledge groups, that's when it makes sense to kind of skip over into the FPGA territory and the ASIC territory. But right now where we are today, it's kind of a unique opportunity because Ethereum's set to move to proof of stake this year, uh, sometime in in Q2. And so you've got all of this GPU hardware that's sitting around. People hypothesize that, you know, it's gonna go over to Ravencoin or to some of some of these other altcoins, but I think a majority of it's just going to kind of get sold off or die mm-hmm. or just drop off the network. So instead, you could kind of redirect this into this proof creation and start decentralizing your validator set, set which would be great. And it's a very competitive space. You know, you have optimism, you have zk Sync, etc. So miners can now kind of compete um, for or, or bid on work blocks from all mm-hmm. of these different vendors.
0: Yeah, just kind of taking a step back. Could you kind of explain how that would work? What would mining look like on a rollup? What would the workers be doing in a sense? Like, uh, and I, I suppose there's two different types here. We have optimistic rollups, and we have the zero knowledge rollup. So there'd be two types of miners in mm-hmm. this instance.
1: Yeah, and I really think this is probably only beneficial right now for for Starks. Um, you know, optimistic rollups have other trade offs. And you know, we we assume they're optimistic, they have a high, high error of margin. But you know, what what it could look like is no different to mining pools today, you'll have some sort of pool provider that's creating these work packages, right? Saying, hey, I need a I need a proof generation of this, this, this. Um, here's this set of transactions. They need to be, I need to have a proof of this block there uh packed into and miners can pick up these work items or even just simply donate their uh, computing power. So you could really piggyback onto the existing mining infrastructure if you're clever and not make too many drastic changes. Um, But again, we still have that issue of where does the reward come from? No one's going to do anything for free. That's the part Mm -hmm. that's tricky to to figure out. Um, For someone like Starkware, there's no... There's not a lot of sense in making your own token because all of a sudden you then compete with Ethereum, you then compete with Zcash, you compete with all these chains you're trying to provide a service for. And you also do not want to get into the habit of, you know, kind of taking miners away from their core chain. Like let's use Ravencoin as an example, taking miners away from Ravencoin, having them do a work packet and producing validity proofs for for Ethereum. You know, the, and uh, getting rewarded for that and then jumping back into Ravencoin. All of that will be mm-hmm. bad for both chains. You kind of want these this hardware to stick and stay on one chain. Um, so definitely an area still of, of kind of research.
0: You, you've kind of pulled on a few things that I'm interested in picking up. And one of them, just to start off, is the mining has this inherent fairness about it. And it's something I think a lot of people just kind of gloss over, uh, even from the Satoshi white paper, is that proof of work is described not only uh, similar to gold mining, but just as this mechanism for decentralizing ownership of coins. That's because it's a very competitive landscape, right? Like you're your uh, revenue is almost always equal to your costs unless we get into these boom and bust cycles. But over time, your most miners are pretty linear in terms of the, the revenue they accrue. And that's a really desirable feature for anyone kind of booting up a token mechanism because you want the issuance of the tokens to be spread out among as many participants. And so there's not sort of this wealth inequality. Uh, and to date, that's been a really big knack on proof of stake. Uh, We don't really need to get into that argument here, but it is interesting how that proof of work mechanism for coin distribution continues to be something valid and useful, uh, even for a chain that is moving away from proof of work Uh, for for rollups, for people who are building on top of Ethereum, they're still going to be using proof of work. Have you talked to, or perhaps we we haven't seen this quite yet, right? Uh, but I'm curious if you've talked to any teams about this and what their thinking is when adopting something that has a lot of similarities to proof of work, even though Ethereum is moving to proof of stake.
1: have mm-hmm. talked to a few teams and... Folks are still in that research stage of what makes sense. And what you'll find is we as miners, we associate doing any kind of work, computation mining, as proof of work over in kind of the research and especially the Ethereum space. Proof of work is associated with that, with ETHash, with SHA-2560, like with the core algorithm. Mm -hmm. Um, So they don't really see it as as similar. But there's definitely a lot of teams exploring it and thinking about kind of how do we handle this decentralized validator set. Now, one of the challenges that we're having, uh, we had last year and this year is, I think everyone's come to the very slow realization in Ethereum that, People do not care about decentralization, like users just don't. It's not an important feature to them. But over here in the Bitcoin mining world, we're very passionate about decentralization because we see uh, kind of our our threat models in, in Bitcoin, they're nation states, right? When we think about what is the giant enemy against Bitcoin, it's nation states. Ethereum, I would say the Ethereum community doesn't have that kind of threat model. They're kind of like, well, you know, bugs are our, our threat models and uh, poor users and users losing money and making mistakes. So they've got a very different set of, of problems and worries. And I would say that we don't care about infrastructure being decentralized until it really matters. And, um, you know, this is a big concern right now, just not just in zero knowledge proofs, kind of that validator infrastructure, but ex- Ethereum as a whole if 50 to 70% of our validators are sitting running in AWS running in Azure I mean mm-hmm. that is that is horrible what happens the next time that there is an outage and mm-hmm. Amazon does go down frequently at least once a year oftentimes once a month it's it's a fact of life with data centers and so that's I think one of the areas that Teams need to look at mining a little bit closer and look at how mining managed to incentivize running your own node Mm -hmm. and it managed to incentivize running your own hardware and why that works so well and why that is so important for a truly decentralized distributed network and why that property provides a lot of value to the Ethereum and the uh, ZKP space.
0: Yeah, I love what you're saying here, because I think a lot of people when they're thinking about Bitcoin mining, they don't necessarily think about the proof of work angle. And that might sound like a little crazy to say at first, because Bitcoin mining is proof of work. But I think a lot of people just think about the rewards, they think about hash rate, they think about the machines itself. But at the end of the day, there is a computer structure behind this, uh, that has a history within uh, cryptography. And it also has a history of working over the last uh, Thirteen years uh, certainly for Bitcoin, but also uh, previously in like things like Hashcash and whatnot. Uh, and it's a system that definitely works. And so when we're talking about other chains and they're looking at how to kind of create these civil resistant entities, as uh, I hear a lot of people kind of describe it, uh, proof of work always seems to be something that a lot of people have to fall back towards. Uh, I want to get your take on how this kind of goes forward though uh with hardware specifically so uh, you mentioned fpgas and we talked about asics already um and and for bitcoin bitcoin went through like this history of moving from cpus to fpgas gpus and, Mm -hmm. and all the way through um i've gotten some of that out of order but a lot of these new chains are going to have to do similar things it seems like or do you think it's going to can they be constructed where they basically can kind of stay on a CPU or basically can stay on like an FPGA?
1: I think CPUs, so right now we're kind of at just the, let's throw it up in AWS. That's where we are for infrastructure right now. We don't need any more of that because a very small set of validators like five or six can generate all the proofs we need. Where this becomes interesting is when we think more of that, um, like I was talking about that pool layer Okay, what if we have a specification for proof creation and everyone conforms and adapts to it? And now all of these providers can send all of their proof creations up into this pool. And that is where this gets really interesting and where it could be applied. And then it starts off with CPUs until just like in Bitcoin, someone comes along and says, you know what, I could make a faster kernel for this. I could make a GPU kernel for this. Boom, releases that. Now there's a new miner available. So I think that same evolution path will happen as long as there is reward. Now, the, one, the, the, uh, the change this time around is that zero knowledge proofs are not just useful for us in cryptocurrency. They're useful across, the, across every kind of uh, vertical. And they're a study of, uh, an area of study and research for Microsoft, for Amazon, for Google. And so where I think this will naturally happen is you'll get these bigger companies and even some of the hardware providers like Intel, potentially even NVIDIA, making optimized libraries or GPU accelerated libraries uh, where appropriate for certain circuits that are heavily used. So, you know, Plunky 2 just got released. You might end up seeing some optimized implementation for that that these hardware manufacturers make available. You know, 10x, 20x speed up only on NVIDIA GPUs, 30x speed up on AMD. That will kind of incentivize people to adopt that and incentivize at least the existing validators to have some of that hardware. And I think as long as the all of this um, space figures out that kind of that incentive and that token model, then this could be the next multibillion dollar mining operation if it's done right.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the token issue once again, uh, because I have a a few more questions on that and I kind of steer the conversation in a different direction, but let's head back towards it. Uh, So Fuel Labs is a roll-up builder in the ecosystem. I don't know if they have anything live in production right now, but uh, they definitely are kind of on the bleeding edge of describing and creating rollups. And they issued a paper yesterday kind of talking about how you can capture value within a rollup. It's pretty interesting because, of course, Ethereum has had this problem where, and it's almost a good problem, where you can can create unlimited tokens, but Mm -hmm. tokens don't necessarily always have value. Capturing that value can be difficult. Trading tokens can be difficult, uh, and some people even say that you shouldn't have tokens altogether. When you're talking about rollups and you want to accrue that value, problem almost becomes escalated for the reasons you already kind of described. Typically, you want to support your base chain. If you're using a different token in the upper chain than the base chain, then you're not supporting it, uh, and then capturing it can be very difficult. Will that token be used for governance? Will it be used for some other method? Uh, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on what kind of token models are out there and how to capture that value. Uh, obviously, like you said, if they do kind of figure this out, it could be a huge industry because this is where a lot of transactions could live. And who's ever earning those tokens by doing a proof of work is going to be making a substantial amount of revenue.
1: Mm-hmm. I I seriously think the going back to that pool model is all that is needed. I think that right now we're trying to reinvent the wheel. So simply do what pools do, right? Uh, There is already a fee model baked in today where, you know, if you want to use Polygon, you pay a certain amount of Polygon to do this uh, roll up creation. Um, Okay, we'll throw that all up in a pool and then, you know, whatever miner solves the block or whatever group of miners solve the block, get equal distribution of uh, tokens. And that is possible. And then take it a step further and bake it into the fee model. And the trouble with that is it's going to require you to coordinate with that underlying protocol. But it's possible. Alternatively, you know, pools could even just start you know, having a uh, subset of, of, say, I want to go create rolls for ETH, having a subset of ETH that they pay out to miners. Just like how in Bitcoin, when we kind of bootstrap a pool, we, uh, we need to have a bit of Bitcoin set aside in case we don't get any blocks, but we still need to pay our miners and attract that hash rate, right? Do the exact same thing. Get a stash of eth and kind of start producing uh, roll up, uh, sorry uh, uh, proofs and kind of start getting your work packages that way and just pay your miners in eth. That is also a possibility. or pay them in whatever you know governance token or flavor of the month there is. Um, I don't think there is going to be a good theoretical token model that we can kind of define not just in this call, but just, you know, talking or even in research. I think this has to be something that is played out in real time and tested out, just like we've done it for uh, 12 years in mining to figure out what is the optimal model. Um, And then the market will adapt.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I can confirm right now that I will not come up with any uh, useful token models on this stream uh, maybe you could come up <laughs> with one in the next 15 minutes or so but I would kind of be holding us down a bit. Uh, again going back to the central centralization theme here, do you think mining is kind of the only solution to, to get this going and if so uh, or and by getting this going, I mean decentralizing these rollups uh, And if so, how do you see the ethereum dev community responding to this? Kind of asked this question again, but I want to press a little bit more. Ethereum is moving to proof of stake, and yet they've also kind of banked on this roll-up centric model that, by necessity, uh, in your argument, might need proof of work. Uh, how do you kind of square both those things?
1: Yeah, I think you know when we've got ETH 2.0, we will end up having shards. So you know Starkware will be a dedicated shard and i think what is the s community really does see proof of work as hey it's at hash it's it's mining right um and i do think that it might be possible to kind of adopt that traditional staking model but we still have to ask about where does that initial bootstrap capital come from is it just ethereum okay well then what's really the point of this this roll-up creation for other chains like if polygons just a shard of f does it provide kind of any roll-ups to any other uh chains and how do they piggyback into that infrastructure um so i don't think they inherently need that proof of work but i think the issuance mechanism and that bootstrap mechanism is what is valuable And once you start thinking about, okay, how do we accelerate this or get, you know, our 10x, 20x, 30x speed ups, that's when kind of that proof of work model kicks in because you want to provide a funnel for all of those existing GPU miners to kind of come in and participate. And they're not contributing to the consensus, you know, they're just providing computation power work the consensus and you know the the ultimate security of that chain is still done by proof of stake in that validator set.
0: Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm.
1: so I don't think the I don't think the you know the core devs and the community will have that much of a concern. Now the other way you could go about this is uh we talk about you know kind of dedicated asics and in ethereum's landscape dedicated asics are the Holy Grail. We, we're talking about a VRF and VDF ASIC combined with, you know, a ZKP proof generator, and it would be small enough and compact enough that you could throw it on your phone, and then every mobile phone, you know, on the planet becomes a uh, part of that validator set. That would be cool. Um, will we get to that model in the next five years? Absolutely not, because there is not enough demand to justify that, and you know, there is not enough. Bitcoin mining. I will say this: Bitcoin mining is one of the most unique industries when it comes to its consumption of hardware. Uh, Usually, you know, when you're thinking about ASICs, there is a steady consumption per year, and then at some point, it just tapers off. And this doesn't really happen in Bitcoin mining. There's a heavy demand. um, Depending on how you treat your machines, you know, they have either a long life cycle or a short one. But it's, it's just weird in, that, in how it consumes hardware. When we're thinking about things like kind of uh, ASICs for val- um, uh, validity-proof creation, you would only be distributing about 200 to 500 of those per year. It's a very small set because there just wouldn't be enough demand or need for more computing power than that. Um, so it's one of those kinds of hard problems. But, yeah, I do think that, you know, Immediately, like within the next three to six months, there is an opportunity for all of these different uh, vendors to come together and say, okay, what if we created this joint specification for how we kind of sent work packages throughout our respective networks and uh, let validators pick up these work packages, really studying how mining pools work. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if anyone does that.
0: Let's go back to what you're saying a second ago is a little bit of a alphabet soup uh, VDF, URF, uh, how an ASIC mm-hmm. fits into that. Could you kind of explain uh for our audience and and frankly for me too a little bit about how all those pieces fit together in terms of creating like a next generation miner that would be able to support some of these uh more advanced bleeding edge uh rollup communities?
1: So V uh, VDF stand for verifiable delay function, VRF stand for verifiable random function, and one of the hard problems we have in not just cryptography but you know a lot of other areas is how do we ensure we get truly random numbers? And um, one of the areas of research on Ethereum was okay, well, validators we could have them generate you know kind of all these different things like keys and seeds and kind of initial um, initial mixes into, into blocks through VRFs. And then there was the concern about, okay, well, what happens if, you know, due to network latency, uh, due to kind of differences in hardware specs, one of these validators gets an advantage over another. Well, that's why you add in VDFs. So now you have a delay in the network um, and, you know, you have like 10 minutes to either start the work packet or you know 10 minutes where this work packet has to be solved in so this was an area of ethereum where way back when i'm not sure if anyone remembers it uh we there was a proposal to initially create these asics and airdrop them to the ethereum community randomly and these would kind of be the uh the the rng seeds for the network that proposal I don't think has uh, made it very far. It was very cool though, but that is the evolution we want to move towards. So Ethor uses VRFs and BDFs, kind of uh, uh, moving that generation off centralized hardware. When we when I say centralized hardware, I mean kind of CPU vendors uh, or you know traditional traditional hardware is moving that into an open source ASIC. That would be really cool. So you'll see in a lot of Twitter threads, and a lot of uh, research papers, people talk about combining these two things into kind of one ASIC, since they fulfill base core functionality of Mm -hmm. uh, layer one and layer two protocols in
0: 2022. Uh, See, Okay, thanks for that explanation. So kind of two more questions before we start wrapping up, uh, probably about... 10 or 15 minutes left on the hook with me uh, talking about MEV and how that translates into hardware acceleration. Uh, so I've, I think this was inspired by a tweet from uh, a who's at Flashbots community. Uh, him and I were chatting about how minor extractable value, which for the audience is basically how miners are able to reorder transactions and kind of take some cream off the top of the barrel uh, from from a given set of transactions. Um, Just because of their placement as the miners, they can extract that value from the main chain and from users. And uh, we see it a lot in Ethereum, this MEV. But it also comes into play when we're moving into the roll-up landscape where a lot of these roll-ups they have this validator set and when they want to send a bundle of transactions down to the main chain, uh, you can score some MEV there. There's also some MEV points you can score kind of in the rollup itself when you're just kind of doing regular transactions, obviously. I'm wondering how MEV fits into this hardware acceleration game. Uh, when I was talking with gossip about this, he kind of mentioned how, uh, Super traders, super MEV traders are going to be able to use hardware acceleration to kind of score more here. Uh, Can honestly, don't know much about this, but interested to see if you have any thoughts on the topic.
1: I'd be curious about how uh, MEV could work at all, because the entire point is everything is is stripped and compressed, and Mm -hmm. you know that entire proof remains uh, private and secure, Mm -hmm. and so all a uh kind of all a r bot would be able to do is reorder taking a step back most um most of the kind of providers of roll-ups will push these transactions to the main chain in blocks and they'll do that mm-hmm. every day sometimes uh every week is more normal sometimes every two weeks and so the only ARB opportunity that might happen is, you know, ME, um, uh, bots might be able to figure out, okay, how do I best fit, you know, this uh, VP into, or this block, uh, you know, or this transaction into the chain. But I don't think there's any opportunity. I, I really don't. I'd be curious to see that, that thread because um, when you're pushing transactions over, they're coming in full blocks, Mm-hmm. You know, they're already laid out. The transactions are already done. It's, it's essentially a sealed block and it's pushed to the main chain. We're not just pushing raw transactions. So I'd be very curious to see kind of how you could extract that value, um, if at all. Now, what might be cool is, again, going through this thought experiment of this pool model, is now if you kind of unleash your order book And all of that is transparent before the proof creation has happened. Then you can get some MEV where, you know, kind of a flashbot is figuring out, okay, how do I best order this transaction and order that into the book to ensure that it's optimal? Mm -hmm. But that would require it to have, you know, all of that initial upstream data before it's become, uh, before it's being turned into a, uh, into a Stark or into a snark, And then, you know, no longer, no longer, uh, human readable so you mm-hmm. need to do that um but yeah it would be very curious I, I don't think we'll see a lot of mev in the roll-up space i, I really don't um and that's one of the reasons you're seeing it commonly used specifically starks commonly used in any kind of market making or amms or kind of more in these DeFi protocols because it does provide the the privacy that is desired for those order books and for those transactions.
0: That's really interesting to kind of get that perspective. I'll have to find that tweet and send it your way. Uh, Definitely veering into some different topics here. We could go a thousand different ways with the conversation. Uh, As Amanda Fabiano at Galaxy kind of likes to say, uh, Bitcoin mining is the foundation for everything. And I think uh, you can just kind of take that same phrase and use it for, for all crypto mining is the foundation for everything. So even as something as abstract as an AMM has something to do with mining at the end of the day, uh, kind of wrapping this conversation up and moving into the relevancy for Bitcoin mining. When you're looking at Bitcoin mining right now, and you're looking at some of this bleeding edge mining tech out there, how do you see the two translate? In my opinion, Bitcoin mining, it's kind of a monolith. It's not changing too much. Uh, like we've seen some chip updates this year we see maybe some new machines come out from bitmain uh, but like you said bitcoin mining is a very specific industry with uh, some unusual features like the hardware depreciation uh, and and the you know the heavy reliance on these machines as opposed to other mining schematics we've seen out there but going to allow the question your way and see what you think about that
1: uh, you mean how you know could they potentially intersect Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, it would be down to the hardware manufacturer. If I was, you know, say I was a TSMC or Intel wanting to build my own ASICs, um, but I also want to get exposure to these other industries, okay, go and create a dedicated ASIC for, uh, for Starks, for validity proof creation, and then slap it onto a small controller board on top of these Bitcoin mining machines, boom, every ASIC miner is now also a, a validator. So kind of re, uh, adding more functionality to, mm-hmm. to the shell, essentially. Um, there is no technical intersection between Bitcoin mining and rollups ups in Ethereum. I do not think the Bitcoin community is going to adopt rollups anytime soon. I also don't think it's really needed for Bitcoin, to be honest. Um, I think there is a lot of optimization in Taproot uh, right now, and there's going to be more optimization kind of later down the line. But uh, yeah, I do think that is, is a possibility. I mean, a mainstream vendor, we, we haven't had one yet. We've, not, we've kind of been stuck with, with Bitmain. We've been stuck with MicroBT. We haven't really had one of these uh, Fortune 50 companies come in and say, okay, now I'm going to go produce equipment for the masses. And when you're thinking like a company like that, they want to ensure they've got um, exposure to every part of crypto. So now mm-hmm. start thinking about what happens if your ASIC is also a node, but also a miner, but also capable of generating validity proofs. What if it's, you know, multi purpose and it becomes your all in one kind of crypto computing device? That is a model a lot of these manufacturers will take. Um, and it wouldn't require much extra energy, maybe five to 10 Watts. I mean, it's nothing, but you get all of the kind of benefits. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that actually is a possibility. Um, I think people would be surprised. Uh, I mean, everyone's paying attention to this space. The big, big guys included, they have been for years. I do think 2022 is when they're going to start making some serious moves.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I did not actually think of it that way at all, but it would make sense from a manufacturing angle for these two worlds to collide. Just kind of it back to the beginning of the conversation uh, Bitcoin mining, obviously, is, is a very specific and tailored, buttoned up conversation. You can talk about stocks, talk about hash rate, you can talk about machine manufacturing. And then we venture into these more technical topics and proof of work in general. Uh, sometimes the things kind of intersect a little bit there, but it's interesting to see that. The manufacturing level, at the very least, Bitcoin mining and some of these more technical ways of doing proof of work on different chains still can kind of of work together. Uh, Christy, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I want to ask, lastly, where people can find your work. Uh, Obviously, your Twitter handle is fantastic, but where do you publish your work or uh, where are you working on currently that others in the community can kind of follow along?
1: Honestly, just Twitter threads, Um, (laughs) Twitter threads and, and Telegram threads. Um, So follow me on Twitter and anything that I kind of work on or publish will be there.
0: Great. Yeah, we'll include that in today's show notes. Uh, But from everyone at Compass, I want to thank you for today's stream. I want to thank everyone who's listening or uh, listens to this later on the podcast for following along with us. A great conversation today. But for all of us at Compass Mining, that's a wrap.